To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Uh, Freedom is one of those great ideals and hopes of humanity. It's something that inspires us, unites us, and motivates us. We even sing songs about it. We're prepared to fight wars in the name of it. You only need to look at the situation in the Ukraine at the moment to see what people are willing to give, what people are willing to sacrifice in order to keep their independence, in order to have freedom. Of course, we all cherish the freedoms that we have in this nation, of which there are many. Freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of religion, and many, many more. But of course, in our culture, freedom isn't only about being free from things like oppression. Uh, We also use the word to talk about our choices, uh, the options that we have in life, the flexibility that's available to us. And most of us, enjoy freedoms that people maybe even only 60 years ago could barely conceive of. Freedom in our careers, freedom in educational opportunities, the freedom to travel, even freedom in our lifestyle choices. And I don't think people, well, I'm not sure anyone would want to say that freedom is a bad thing. Uh, People having more freedom, whether it's political freedom or economic freedom or social freedoms, These are all good things, aren't they? But something interesting has happened in our culture in recent years. I think we've come to so value uh, the individual's freedom that anything which threatens to restrict that or restrain that in any way is seen as regressive, as seen as a negative and a bad thing. And the exercise of our freedom has become more than a privilege it's become a fundamental right. We capture this sentiment in all kinds of things that we say. Um, Classic is people should be free to live however they want so long as they don't hurt anyone else. You might have even said that yourself. I'm sure I have. Uh, But we need to be careful that we don't have a simplistic view of freedom because like all good things, freedom can turn bad if it's left unrestrained. Now, of course, we kind of want a freedom that comes for free without any of the nasties like obligations and responsibilities. But freedom is not so simple. And that's the kind of freedom we're all told we can have, but it's a dangerous thing. Because when you think about it, we're really not even all that free, are we? I mean, none of us is truly free to do what we want 
when we want. Now, some of that uh, comes down to choices that we all exercise and make, but some of it's simply about recognising the reality of the world around us. Uh, So, for example, uh, as much as I might like to, uh, I'm not free to live my life as a professional opera singer nor a professional athlete. Above average, like most men have above average athletic ability. You weren't free in so many aspects and areas of your life. You weren't free to choose the family you were born into, the time and place of your existence. You're not free to live as long as you want to. You, like me, are bound by the ordinary limitations that come with being human. So it's really an illusion to think of ourselves as completely free, as people who are autonomous and independent, because we're dependent on so many other people in so many ways. I mean, from the very time we're born, others provided for us, nurtured us, educated us, trained us. It's really quite an arrogant and, I think, uh, displays a lack of gratitude to think of ourselves as some way uh, independent. We're all dependent on so many other people in so many areas of life. I mean, I'm guessing you don't know how to manufacture a mobile phone or perform heart surgery or grow wheat or forge steel. In any complex society, we're all interdependent on the skills and expertise of others. And so this idea that freedom means we can somehow live independently of others is in many ways a denial of reality itself. And even as we seek to exercise our freedoms, it's never a simple proposition. You and I make compromises and choices about our freedoms all the time. And that's a necessary thing. It's necessary to restrain and suspend certain freedoms that may be available to us in order to have others or in order to have something else that's of greater value. So as Lyndall's image reminded us earlier in the kids' talk, you are not free to eat everything you like and still be free to enjoy good health. You need to restrain your freedom to sleep in every morning if you want to keep your job and enjoy the economic freedoms that come with that. You'll need to restrain your freedom to play video games all day if you want to pass your exams and gain a qualification. Exercising freedom involves the strategic loss of some freedoms in order to gain others. There is really no such thing as an unlimited freedom. And so no wonder people are a little disillusioned about this idea. In lots of ways we're sold a a lie, at least a half-truth, that we can live without restraint, without restriction, and that, in fact, that's the best kind of life to live because it doesn't really even make sense of the world that we live in. But perhaps to put some of those issues aside, surely at least we could all agree that we should be morally free, that is, free to make our own decisions about what is right and wrong, how we will live, without having other people impose their views upon us, their values upon us, you know, each to their own, live how you like. 
but we can't avoid the fact that in any society, in any community, expressing our freedoms will inevitably lead to clashes with others expressing theirs. Uh, That may become painfully important at three o'clock in the morning when your neighbours decide that they want to exercise their freedom to listen to their heavy metal music at full volume. Um, I think all of us at that point are a little less enthusiastic about defending the freedoms and rights of others. But freedom is a messy and a complicated thing because you're not the only person on the planet. Part of our problem is, in, in I think our current cultural climate, we become less capable of resolving these sorts of com- conflicts, these sorts of problems around areas of freedom. Because we've gone down the path of prizing an individual's freedom above all else, to the exclusion of all else, we're not really sure what to do when those individual freedoms clash or crash into each other. Now, the Bible's got a bit to say about freedom. Uh, I think it's got a a picture of our world and of humanity um, that provides a powerful alternative to the world's concept of freedom, a view which I'd suggest is ultimately a lot more satisfying and consistent with the realities of life and human nature. The Bible begins with a tale of freedom, and it's a very sober tale. It shows us that humanity's desire for freedom and autonomy is present right there in the very opening pages of the Bible. It begins with this explanation as to how humanity has come to find itself in a state of bondage. It's at the heart of what happens in that Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, when they choose to defy God, when they choose to take that fruit he's told them not to take or touch, they're really making a grab for freedom. They wanted the freedom to decide for themselves what was right and what was wrong. They wanted to free themselves from Uh, the authority of God, release themselves from his instructions, his commands. They decided that those things were oppressive and unnecessary. They wanted to wriggle out from under the authority of God and find their freedom. It's what the Bible labels sin. And the great tragedy of humanity is that in grasping for our freedom from God, we entangle ourselves in another form of slavery. See, as people who were created to be in relationship with God, people who were created to be dependent upon him, to be accountable to him, when we deny God, when we defy God, the Bible says that rather than finding some kind of freedom, we actually become slaves. The Bible will speak of a slavery to sin and slavery to its consequence death. Jesus himself declared in that reading that we had earlier from John's gospel, he said, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. For people, freedom from God is not real freedom at all. It's just a kind of slavery. But true freedom is not beyond us. We can be free. In fact, Jesus said he came for that very purpose. He came to set us free. So these are those words from John 8 again. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, 
If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So here Jesus makes his claim that he can offer us freedom, he can give us freedom. And he ties this firstly to the idea of truth. He says that the truth he brings, the truth he can teach, will bring us freedom, will set us free. What Jesus teaches is the truth about who God is, who we are, how we can know God, and ultimately how we can know peace with God. Jesus makes the point that he's uniquely qualified to offer us this freedom because he's the son. He's the son of God. And this freedom that he's offering us is about a place in the family so that the son can set us free to enjoy the kind of relationship that he enjoys with his heavenly father. And so when the son sets you free, that's where true freedom is found. See, Jesus comes to bring us back into relationship with God. And there we can enjoy all the rights and the privileges of being a child of God. But only the Son is able to provide us that kind of access to the Father. Only the Son can reveal to us the truth about who God is. And so we can find freedom, the freedom of being a part of God's family, the freedom of being the people that God created us to be. But there was a cost to our freedom, a cost that Jesus himself bore. In Hebrews chapter 2, we find these words. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. When Jesus goes to the cross, he goes there to win our freedom. Freedom from those things that have subjected us to slavery, sin and death. But to do that, Jesus has to constrain his own freedom. Now, of course, if anyone is truly free, it's God himself. But what do we see the Son of God doing? Taking on human form, taking on our flesh, subjecting himself to suffering, to grief, to hardships. And ultimately, he goes to the cross, takes our sin upon himself, endures the shame and the pain and humiliation. But in doing that, he defeats it. He defeats it as he gives up his own life. And as he does that, he takes our great oppressors, our great enemies of Satan, sin and death, and he conquers them. He breaks their power 
when he rises again on the third day. And now because God has so loved us, we are now free to love him as we should. Because God has freely served us, we are free to serve him. And in Jesus, we can each find freedom. Freedom from our own sin. Freedom from our own guilt. Freedom from our own shame. Because his love is given so freely. This is where true freedom is found. The freedom that comes only from God. The freedom of being wholly known and wholly loved by him. It's a freedom that's not just about being freed from things too. We're freed from sin, we're freed from death. But this freedom is also about what we've been freed to. God releases us into a relationship with him, the one he intended us to have, the way he's created us to live. And as Lyndall's reminded us earlier, that's a, there's an ought in that as well. God frees us to live the kind of life that we ought to live, the one he wants us to live and has called us to live. And it's, as long as we're talking about freedom, uh, I think it's helpful to think about what that looks like in each of our lives too. Because the other thing we should remember about this freedom that Jesus has won for us is that it doesn't mean we're to live these completely uh, uninhibited lives. Our freedom is not an unrestrained independence, a life without responsibility or obligation. That's not the kind of freedom that Jesus offers us. Uh, Listen to the way the Apostle Paul expresses the idea of freedom in Galatians. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Our freedom is given to us so that we might serve others in love. Our freedom is one to serve. And that's who God has created us to be. People who use their God-given freedoms not to pursue our own selfish self-interests, but to think about what others need. And so it's not a freedom from responsibility or from accountability. It's a freedom to, a freedom to love, a freedom to serve. When we are called into God's family, that's the relationship that we're released into, that we're able to enjoy, that we can honour God with our lives now, that we're able to obey him and please him. Christianity says that true freedom is found in knowing and serving God. Sounds kind of like a contradiction, doesn't it? To be spoken about as servants, as those who serve. I think it's one of the great paradoxes of the Christian life that it's in serving God and in using our freedom to serve others that we find and experience what true freedom is. Now, of course, that's going to sound and look foolish to many. It may be mocked by those in our world. It certainly goes against the grain of self-interest that's within all of us, where we feel like we should just look after ourselves, 
don't burden ourselves with responsibility for others. But that's the world's idea of freedom. And it only leads to discontent and emptiness and loneliness. God wants something better for us. God has called us to something fuller and richer. A true freedom that comes from living as he's made us to be, his children.